SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. On the viewpoint. And that's the show that was the first of its kind. Tag Team Tuesday Takeover has come and it has gone. The time is 21.06. That was Miss Asanda Luwat, a chairperson of the yes. National Youth Development Agency, together with her colleague and co-host Kutazombezi Manana, who is the CEO, CFO, I beg your pardon, at the same agency. And I suppose it beggars the final question first from the CFO mm. and then we'll have final <laughs> word from the chairperson. CFO, we were talking now in the news break that given the fact that this conversation, one, went as quickly as it did, but more than that, unearthed so much of the youth voice, potentially mm-hmm. this platform can be that of the youth. How much do you think from where you are now and the experience of tonight Mm. more young people should be given mainstream platforms to voice huh. their agenda? Mm. Sure, that is such a good question and one that puts me in a corner. <laughs> but I think young people need to speak. I think one of the questions I was asked in my interview is, what would I be bringing into this board? And what is it that I have to offer as a young person? And one of my answers was, you have to be within where young people are and hear their issues or their problems in order to come up with a solution. There is no solution with which will work without an informed mm. analysis and research of what the problem is. Mm-hmm. So how important is platforms like this? I think it's very important. Uh, not only does it encourage, not only does it teach, it inspires hope. And I think without hope, we wake up because of hope. Mm-hmm. And if more and more young people who are telling good stories, are afforded the opportunity to speak, even the disadvantage of the ones who are at their lowest, whether they're depressed, whether they're suicidal, whether they're going through whatever challenge. If there's someone who comes and speaks to that to say, I know where you are, I've Mm. been where you are, however, there's a way out, Mm. that would change the narrative. And I think it's very Mm. important to answer you simply that we do need these platforms. Certainly. Well, you know what to do, seeing that you control the money. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) Asanda, first woman Mm. chairperson of the National Youth Development Agency, and you inherit a lot of challenges. I'm going back to Mm. what I initially asked. Mm. I think your commitment to vision is Mm. what will make the agency what it is and sort of give you the springboard into far greater platforms, quite in the footsteps mm. of the ladies that you interviewed Mama Yvonne Chaka Chaka, mm. Carol Bauer Pakeng, I mean these are just women who have owned sure. their respective spaces to get the, some of the voice notes you mm. fielded for instance Mama Loko Kubai mm. who mm. paid tribute to Mama Mandela, mm. for you specifically where to from now? Sure, um, where to from now? It's it's onwards, it's upwards, it's you know mm. continue with the work um, you know we always say that and I guess borrowing from, from what Kutaz was saying that you know, it's so important for us to cultivate these um, spaces and for young people to be given these opportunities, you know, because there's a saying of, you know, if a lion doesn't tell his story, then the hunter will. So it's so important for, you know, the youth voice to come out and for young people to own our particular narrative and not 
relegate that responsibility to a select few, you know. So so for me, it would be, you know, in continue engaging young people, continue being on the ground and, you know, really make that indelible mark on the lives of young people to ultimately change the material conditions that they find themselves in. Well, it certainly um, falls to me to say, first of all, thank you for honoring the platform and the time, and more importantly, Thank you for bringing the necessary energy, um, which is not something that this station at this time certainly is quite <laughs> accustomed to. And and I think as well, just keep the enthusiasm, keep the fire, and just and just be on the lookout for young people. They mm. are in a far tougher position than what I imagine I was mm. relative to being a youth then. And I'm not so far out of my youth, but I mean mm. the young people of today have got the greatest challenge I don't Im- I, I imagine anybody alive mm. has faced mm. except for maybe the youth during the world war but I mean just the advent of just the poverty that abounds in this country this growing mm. sense of hopelessness and you spoke mm. to hope just now mm. Kuti, and, and, and the fact that we are on the other side of a pandemic and there's just been so much lost chaos and destruction it's a lot it is a lot and yeah. um, you have part of the responsibility just mm. to give young people hope and make sure that they fight for another day knowing that in keeping the fight mm. there's something that just may come through around the corner well done thank you so much go well thank you thank you <laughs> do we really 21 have to 11 go? yes you do <laughs> <laughs> 2111 <laughs> for unskippable no click baiting and cookie free with lots of real followers and likes place your sales campaign on SAFM radio is still the best place to advertise your business at affordable rates SAFM with its national footprint and top personalities offer advertisers distinctive opportunities to reach their target audience Email sales at safm.co.za. SAFM, the influencer you can trust. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. Songhezomabete on SAFM. 2112, it is the hashtag global focus on a conversation of unpacking the opportunities and obstacles faced by women, particularly in the automotive industry. And we're going to obviously engage some of the global questions that are part of this conversation. Of course, the bias as it should be in the South African context. And with that, the South African automotive industry is critical to the South African economy and its and it is the continent's largest vehicle exporter, South Africa, that is, with a market share of just under 1% in vehicle production. The country ranks 22nd in the world. Despite its success, there is no doubt that the automotive industry is lagging behind other sectors in its efforts to address gender imbalance. As we continue now to observe Women's Month, even though closing it, we pause to consider the value of diversity, equity, the inclusion of women in the automotive automotive industry. We are joined by key stakeholders in the industry to help us better understand where opportunities for investment may exist in terms of closing the gender gap and increasing diversity in the automotive industry. Ms. Namklam Niki, co-chair of the Women Economic Assembly in South Africa, is on the line, as is Mr. Jabulani Salumane, the CEO of the Automotive Industry Transformation Fund. Perhaps in the context of this conversation, we should allow Ms. Nigi, just to have opening remarks in relation to South Africa 
the industry, particularly at manufacturing and assembling the plants as we traditionally know them to be, just to give us an outlook of the picture in relation to the inherent imbalances or the historical imbalances in relation to gender parity and everything that spills off as a result of that imbalance. Sisnamtla, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Songaza, for having me and um, greetings to the listeners as well. Yeah, the industry. So, yeah. Go for it. So I thought I would get on with um, just answering the question you were asking around just the representation of women in the automotive industry. Um, as um, you might know, the, uh, this industry in particular has been identified as one of the critical industries um, in South Africa. Um, the DTIC um, has actually, uh, you know, um, investigated what are the transformation um, targets that we should see or we should aim for within the industry. We know that there was very little participation of black businesses overall within the industry. And so the industry came together a few years ago, I believe two years ago to agree on those specific um, overall transformation targets. However, one of the things we found as the Women Economic Assembly was that while gender, while women were identified and highlighted, there was very little focus on what the gender transformation targets should be. And the, the purpose of WICONA, the reason we were established was to ensure that in every single sector of the South African economy, we can begin to activate opportunities for women-owned businesses in the supply value chains. However, up until the end of last year, beginning of this year, as an example, for instance, we didn't have a single woman who owned, um, let's say, a car dealership, as an example. Mm. Whereas we have, um, you know, quite a large number of component manufacturers, over 500, we did not have any a single one that was owned by women. Even when you look at the executive level um, representation of women, we know that there is very little representation. However, one of the things that are exciting, particularly with um, our participation and the collaboration and partnership we have with um, the auto industry at the moment is that we are working towards changing that. And I know Bujabu is going to talk about this a little bit because the industry has, as of the beginning of this year, agreed on key gender targets so that we can begin to say what is needed within the industry in terms of creating opportunity, opportunities for women in three main areas. In number one, the extent of women who own businesses operating in the sector, either as component manufacturers or as owners of car dealerships or as owners of car repair shops, as it were. But also more than that, to what extent can we ensure that once those women exist, they actually have demand from the industry. In other words, the industry is willing to buy from women. And what one of the things we're hearing from women in this industry is that when they are there, there is very little demand for their services and their products. And I think that's exactly what we're trying to change today. And part of the challenge is simply because of how things have always been done. Therefore, there's no reason for the part of consumer in the context of the last point you were raising to change what for them open close quote works 
But that's exactly the minefield into which First for Women, for instance, got into in the insurance space. Exclusively a woman insurer right now, and they are growing. And of course, there's a market for that because you can just about think that every second car would be driven by a woman. And more and more is the case because of the economic emancipation, albeit the pace of it might be slow, but the reality is that there is that market. Somebody, I suppose, is what I'm saying, has to sort of be the one to bite the bullet, has to be the guinea pig, whatever the appropriate term is. But the point is, we as a nation should be past the fact of thinking that this is something that should be done or not. There's a national imperative to do that. There is a market to do that, as there are social objectives and obligations under which, as a nation, we are tied. The question then is, where are the immediate low-hanging fruits or entry points? What would your thoughts to that question be? Um, so I absolutely agree with you, by the way, that um, getting our economy to open up wide for women-owned businesses is not a favor to women. It's an economic and a growth imperative. We, at the moment, operate an economy where half of this population doesn't really effectively participate. So when we look at an economic recovery strategy that says we want to grow the pie rather than fight for the little piece that already exists, one of the ways to do that is to ensure that women and young people are becoming owners of industry, as it were. And one of the things that is ridiculous mm. and unique about the South African economy is that it's owned outside of the country. So our localization strategy is to ensure that we are changing that. The low hanging fruits, I think, from the perspective of WICONA, number one is to increase the extent to which, um, as I mentioned before, uh, women are, are operating in these businesses or in this sector. But one of the blockages for that is actually ensuring that there is funding available that would support women in the sector. So a low hanging fruit, and I think this partnership with the Automotive um, Industry Transformation Fund is so excellent because it's an actual fund established to ensure that women and other uh, uh, and other black players can mm. essentially participate. But let me mention the second thing is that we would like, you know, the public sector has said 40% of preferential procurement will be targeting women-owned businesses. We haven't had at the moment the private sector making a similar commitment. We've had some aspirations. We would like to hear this industry and other industries saying, from now on, we are buying 0.01% from women-owned businesses in the auto sector. Over time, we're going to increase this to 5% to 10% all the way up until we reach 40 or 50%. And I think that's an important target to highlight as well. It certainly is. And we're going to engage questions of the money that should be put out and made available to women for transformative objectives when we engage Mr. Jabulani Salumane, the CEO of the Automotive Industry Transformation Fund. Of course, this conversation happening in the context of un packing the obstacles faced in particular by women in what is a global enterprise automotive industry that is and perhaps we should question if whether or not it might not even be time altogether for South Africa to back an entity and a typical PPP sort of approach in having a South African brand surely it is time other African countries are flirting with that and in fact are doing it why not South Africa? Why not South Africa, especially in the context of the strength relative to other African countries of our economy? 2121. That's the time. After the play, after the break, Jabu is on. 
on SAFM. We are back, we are live, we are on SAFM. The conversation now turns to the CEO of the Automotive Industry Transformation Fund. Just very briefly, the fund was established as a collective equity equivalent investment program as defined in the triple BEE codes between seven multinational automotive manufacturers in the country. Those are the founding OEMs. The aim is to facilitate transformation across the sector's value chain through the provision of access to developmental funding, access to market and access to capacity development for qualifying black-owned entities. And I would imagine one of the most critical aspects of the work that you do that you absolutely, I mean, if you get that right, you just about get everything else right because circumstances would dictate that, Bujabu, is access Mm -hmm. to market. You can have the business plan, you can have the funding, you can have the product. If there is no buyer for that product, everything else essentially is a stillborn. And that's really where the transformation has to take place, wouldn't you say? Where you get the buyer to actually believe in the product they are purchasing and create and unlock all these opportunities that ultimately the Automotive Industry Transformation Fund stands for. Good evening, Babu Songhezo, and to the listeners. Uh, thank you very much, I think, for um, having us on this platform. I'm very happy to be sharing this uh, platform with my sister, Nomsa, um, uh, uh, to, to unpack really um, what are some of the issues that are faced by the sector. I, I have to be in alignment with you that I guess the cornerstone of what makes this program quite uh, impactful and meaningful is that for the first time, we're not only talking about capital availability uh, towards businesses. I think the fact that the the initiator of this particular program is also the customer, I think um, is a game changer in that um, they've got an inherent interest in ensuring that uh, the businesses that they want to bring into the value chain uh, are are supported financially, uh, but also they've got long-term contracts uh, into the same value chain. We are operating and focusing on making capital available towards uh, minimum Black-owned companies because our objective and mandate is to uh, change the face of the sector uh, so that if we uh, double-click to a later date in the future, uh, we'll be able to see more Black-owned entities being fully representatives. Particularly in this case and in this context, um, we have even gone further. And I think uh, my sister Namsa, talked about the, 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 the policy silence uh, with regards to maybe the, the policy that exists around the master plan and all of that. I think what we've seen uh, is that the automotive sector, uh, the seven OEMs have gone beyond just trying to tick the box in terms of the, the policy or the triple B codes themselves um, and have further task that we as the AITF as an implementing agency on, on this particular, on their behalf, um, actually goes as far as even updating our own policies to set aside 30% of our own funds towards uh, women-owned businesses. And, and this has already started to take shape. Um, there were gaps that you highlighted indeed about, um, you know, do we have women that own uh, dealerships and so on? The AITF have, have recently funded a, a Black-owned entity, which is, 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 is majority owned by Black um, women uh, fortunate in Danda. Um, and we're seeing a lot of these type of transactions begins to come to the fore. 
in order that we, we really uh, continue to provide the necessary access to market that is required. But I think transformation is also broad. I mean, while we talk about entrepreneurial opportunities, I think there's also um, you know, labor-related activities where we've seen also OEMs going to an extent of ensuring that from a management control point of view, uh, they set aside targets such as ensuring that 75% of the attrition rate or new opportunities that comes in the workforce mm. uh, will be allocated towards um, women. Um, and, and we've seen them going as far as actually exceeding that when there's an opportunity now that have even achieved uh, 82% over the, 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 the target. So I think we have some exciting things, obviously, that the sector is looking to uh, focus on as corporate uh, good citizens as long as uh, so, but I agree with you, uh, access to market really is the uh, cornerstone of what makes this project uh, exciting. But what therefore then becomes the hindrance? What are the systemic or non-systemic issues for that matter that continue be, to be this hindrance? A lot of what Osis Namsla said, if you break it down, ultimately falls at the altar of the buyer. Are there buyers in the industry at large? locally, of course, in this context, that are willing to make that investment. It sounds like the answer to that question is no, because the private sector, for instance, on her statistic is it hasn't made that commitment of ring-fencing 40% of its spend in relation to procurement, in particular the downstream on women businesses. In that regard, that might be indicative of the attitude. How then do we make that necessary transformation? Because if you can get that right, setting aside money, investing in women will happen as a matter of course, because there is that inherent belief that this business, albeit woman-run and woman-owned and everything woman, is as good as the other, if not potentially better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, thank you very much for that, uh, I think I think in our context, obviously, the commitment made as we are the implementing agency, mm. Um, not only are we making 30% available as capital towards women-owned businesses, it is equally accompanied by the same access to market as well, because the AITF only funds companies where access to market is provided by the same OEM. So the OEMs um, in this particular program, maybe I need to just unpack a little bit in how sure, sure. we basically ask that, yes. So, so the OEMs on an annual basis, they, they sort of contribute the, the, the funds into the, the, the AITF, to which we then um, look at investing it towards companies that access to market or procurement opportunities are going to be provided by them. They've got an annual target, and then you were speaking about the triple P. I think here there's an agreement between the OEMs and the, and the, and the DTIC in that annually there is a certain number of opportunities that must be provided towards mm. the automotive uh, transformation fund to which we place those funds again. So I think if you were to look at an annual target, you would say 30% of the funds would go towards the companies that would, uh, uh, you know, obviously fund as women-owned businesses towards access to market. So there is access to market that will be allocated. Just to give you a sense of, uh, what we, we we are talking about in numbers to date, we have funded our we have approved in total um, about uh, fifteen transactions, and we've only operated for eighteen months. And in that eighteen months, we've seen a procurement value of close to about seven billion allocated towards these entrepreneurs. So, if you take um, those particular transactions and you were to annualize them, 
30% of that would have gone towards women-owned businesses and so on. So there is a target that has been embedded, which obviously uh, through our collaborative efforts together with we kind of communicated um, in, in terms of that commitment being made uh, 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 towards them and so on. But at the back of that, we also have got what we call um, capacity development. We do recognize that sometimes there are barriers to entry in the market. Some of the issues sometimes is educational activities where we need to, I think, advise entrepreneurs in South Africa in terms of when and how to position themselves towards uh, opportunities that are particularly in the component manufacturing. Because um, one product, a car lasts in the market for about seven years. By the time the car is announced to be produced, actually nomination of suppliers has already taken mm, place absolutely. five years before. So it's important that this information is shared with um, you know, different platforms. In this case, obviously, with Bicorno, we've put together the women in auto, uh, 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 where we are going to be unpacking and inviting OEMs to share what are some of the things that they need to know in order for the barriers of, and of, of entry to be lifted off as one of the things that we use as capacity development so that we can also move towards beginning to do matchmaking activities um, to move beyond the targets of 30%. I think um, you know, it's important that we stop confining ourselves sometimes around the target. I think it's similar to it's women month <laughs> this, this month and then after next month, then we move on. I think this conversation must continue. Uh, it must be an everyday conversation. So we mustn't think about, I think only, not that targets are not important, but we mustn't think about it only in the form of of targets, but I think we must activate on a regular basis, on an ongoing basis. There are other platforms and sessions that we are going to continue to collaborate with Wicona, where we do matchmaking activities, mm. um, where we introduce them to the buyer so that the buyer gets to know what they do. And if there are gaps, the AITF st steps in to use its, its capacity development to ensure that we close the gap so that we eliminate the notion that uh, uh, the, the companies don't exist or they don't have a certain know-how um, while we wait for the right wind of opportunity to turn and obviously take the low-hanging fruit when they, they come about. With nearly a year to go, final question. Thank you so much for that, Bujabu. Um, much appreciated for your response. Since Namkla, in October this year, it will essentially be a year since Wikona was established. What will the report to the presidency be? I mean, we know why, especially or at which time and sort of the period in which the country was facing when the Women Economic Assembly was established. A year on, what will be some of the favorable report back items that the president will be able to say, this is why, for instance, we started this thing? If you can give me an answer in a minute. Thank you for that. So I think if we focus particularly on the auto sector, as you had um, Bujabu speaking, um, we did not have targets in the auto sector before we corner happened. And when we began to engage um, with the sector, there was quite a bit of willingness to say, let's aim for something and let's begin to work on an intentional program around this. Mm. Um, so we'll be able to report that. We'll be able to report that before December last year, there was not a single car dealership owned by women. And now we can count up to three. Um, and we have similar reports across the various um, sectors that we're working in. But in the last 30 seconds I've got, I want to highlight, number one, that when we're talking about de um, development and capacity building in the sector, I think it's important that we 
consider this as one of the low hanging fruits that we've got to create a pipeline of women who can operate in the sector. And one of the things we've been talking about is the idea of developing dealer principles for each of the brands in the sector. So that by the time there are opportunities for ownership, we actually have women who excel in just managing car dealerships and understanding the value chain of the car industry. Then the last thing is that when we talk about, when we talk to AITF, we're really talking about only seven OEMs, in other words, big car manufacturers. Mm. There are a plethora of players in this industry Absolutely. who have not as yet come to the table. And I think that what we're saying is we, are, we want the whole sector to come to the table and begin to actually activate their own transformation plans towards women participating in the sector. We certainly do look forward to getting greater participation. We certainly look forward to the value chain in particularly by not necessarily getting the big multinationals out there, but the many who are in this industry who make it what it is, especially entry point, after sales. There's an opportunity right there. And most certainly you're welcome back on the platform to report a year on what it is that will be year number two and its POA. For now, let's say thanks to you, Ms. Namtlamnik, as well as to you, Mr. Jabulani Seluman. Thank you so much for your time.